This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. I'm Jane Pauley, and this is Sunday Morning. Pandemic precautions are one-year-old and counting, forcing millions of us to search for ways to stay mentally active and alert at home. Who would have guessed that so many people would be going back to school at an online destination in a class of its own? David Pogue will offer an introduction. You won't find more famous teachers. I'm Martin Scorsese. I'm Simone Biles. I'm Tony Hawk. Gordon Ramsay. Spike Lee. Than the ones on Masterclass.com. The format of it I sort of came up with. I'd like to talk about costume. I'd like to talk about makeup. From Helen Mirren to Penn and Teller. I guess we were a little bit presumptuous and said maybe we could teach magic. Teller's cut a rope. Coming up on Sunday morning. Put it back together. The Masterclass is in session. Now it's magic. The movie Love Story was a huge hit a half a century ago. Yes, it's been that long. It's a film that changed the lives of its two co-stars forever. 
as we'll hear from Ben Mankiewicz. You can ask Allie McGraw and Ryan O'Neill any question you want about Love Story. They have answers for all of them, except one. Love means never having to say you're sorry. What does that mean? I don't know. What does it mean? I don't know. I don't have an answer. I mean, I've had to say I'm sorry a lot in my life. That's all I know. An enduring film and friendship ahead on Sunday morning. Demi Lovato is a popular singer who's had a hard time putting the bad times behind her. She'll be talking with Tracy Smith. Baby, I'm sorry. Pop superstar Demi Lovato seemed to be on top of the world until a drug overdose nearly cost her everything. How close did you come to dying? I had uh, five to ten minutes, and before, like, if no one had found me, then I wouldn't be here. I need and now she's sharing her story with us. Demi Lovato, later on Sunday morning. Luke Burbank explores the risky business of sports betting. Connor Knighton rediscovers some species we thought were extinct. And more on this first Sunday morning of spring, March 21st, 2021. We'll be back in a moment. Looking for an online learning site in a class of its own? David Pogue has a suggestion. If you've been on Facebook or YouTube lately, you've probably seen these ads for Masterclass. Let's get started. Video courses between four and eight hours long taught by really <laughs> famous people. Serena Williams on tennis... This is a recipe for disaster because it's going to go flat and you're going to miss a lot of shots. So it's important to drop your wrist. Are we rolling? Steve Martin hey. on comedy. Welcome to Steve Martin's Masterclass. Let's try another one, right? I'm Steve Martin. Thank you for signing up for Masterclass. I'm Steve Martin. Oh, I said that. Jane Goodall on conservation. <laughs> Basically, that means this is me, this is Jane. And so on. CEO David Rogier founded Masterclass in 2015. I started trying to figure out, okay, how can I get a hold of the best people in the world? How can I cold call them, cold email them to ask them to teach? And they started saying yes. And during the pandemic, customers also said yes to Masterclass. Watch out, world. An armchair observer might say, wow, did Masterclass get lucky when the pandemic came along? I mean, it, it fell into your lap. Obviously, we never anticipated a pandemic. I wish it never happened. What we saw, the impact on our business, there were weeks in this past year where we saw demand spike by over a thousand percent. Salil Dotson contributed to that spike. He's a Brooklyn filmmaker who became something of a Masterclass super fan. Can you list... The ones you've watched? Oh, yeah. Uh, let's go. Spike Lee, David Lynch, Aaron Sorkin, David Mamet. Really interesting guy. You know what? And I even watched Gordon Ramsay. I don't cook, but I just, I'm just interested. Be careful. 
Thumb over the end, delays. Beautiful. So beautiful. Some of the film-related people. Yeah, Spike Lee is number one on my list. Easiest way to have a revolt on your set is not feed your crew. I'm, like, incredibly influenced by him and everything he's done. A lot of preparation. It makes the actual writing much easier. When I saw Spike's uh, masterclass, I had no project, no film projects. And so um, it definitely lit a fire under me to just get started, just do it. Inspired by Spike Lee's course, during the pandemic, he began making two-minute films like this one, just to hone his skills. I've always wanted to be my own boss, and it's so important for my boys to see this ownership. This is a character who's desperately trying to look younger than she really is. You know, it's got a whole little girly thing going on with it. With I was very flattered that I should be asked, but I was incredibly resistant because I didn't feel that I had anything to contribute. But what was really interesting was once I started, this flood of stuff came to me. It was funny. I didn't realise it was in there. I had no idea. And now we're ready to go. Helen Mirren has been busy during the pandemic, too. She has two new projects coming out this year. But three years ago, she became a master class instructor. What was the appeal to you to do one of these master class projects? You know, if you go to a class in a university, you know, maybe you've got 40 people in front of you here, you know, you can communicate with people all over the world. It's fantastic. When I'm given a script nowadays, I always look, I never look at the front of it. I immediately turn to the back page. And I see if my character is on the last in the last scene. And there were a lot of good tips in there. I mean, <laughs> you you start reading screenplays that are pitched to you from the last scene. I know, that's terrible. <laughs> my, ter my awful venal secret. <laughs> that's pure ego. If it's a great scene, it's a great role. We've never really given a whole course in uh, how to really do magic, how to really become a magician. And if you're smart enough to work silently... Magicians Penn and Teller teach a master class, too. Teller, of course, never speaks during performances. When, when you don't talk, the audience has to tell itself the story, and they don't know where it's going. But you hear a lot of them in his master class. And now you say, OK, that hand has the wand, this hand has the ball, and now, oh, the ball's vanished. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> When I first met him, was a high school teacher. Uh, he taught uh, Latin and Greek. But there is this part of Teller, this teaching part, and this philosophical part that has not been represented, uh, in my opinion, enough. Each course is filmed like a Hollywood movie. The instructor chooses the curriculum and gets final approval over the finished videos. We shot the whole master class on the uh, Penn and Teller Theater stage here in Vegas. And they brought in a whole film crew. Now it's magic. You can watch all the master classes for pure entertainment. Do you hear from people? Do you read the reviews? The feedback we, we've gotten has been very positive. But then again, most people are polite. <laughs> But it's not all rave reviews for Masterclass. For starters, it's $180 a year. And Britney Spears, and this is my master school. Which, as this Saturday Night Live parody suggests, isn't cheap. Still just as expensive. 
you have to find your own way. I mean, there are no manuals. And even though they're called courses, there are no tests, no grades, no office hours, and no questions for the instructor. That's too bad, according to Salil Dotson. I think that's one thing that would be kind of cool. Like, let's set up a live Q&A with the instructor, blah, blah, blah. That would be dope. Still, the formula seems to be working. Last year, venture capitalists poured $100 million into the company. This year, Masterclass hopes to add 50 new celebrity courses. CEO David Rogier believes that this format can actually be better than formal training. I think we are at the intersection of learning and of entertainment. If you ask most people if they like school, most people say no. Ask those same people if they love to learn, they'll all say yes. What we do at Masterclass is try to bring the joy back to learning. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Adoption sounds like, and usually is, an act of love and generosity. But in the years immediately after World War II, Rita Braver tells us that wasn't always the case. The voice you are hearing belongs to the late David Rosenberg, once the beloved cantor or singer of prayers at Congregation Shari Torah in Portland, Oregon. He was just a very loving, big, generous guy. Rosenberg's widow, Kim, and his children, Noah, Sam, and Esty, clearly adored him. He was one of those people who you could just talk to and he'd say the right thing. But the Continental Way, in Roosevelt, New Jersey, someone David didn't even know loved him too. He was our child. You know, he was conceived in love. He was always loved. Margaret Earl Katz, born in 1944, was David's birth mother. During high school in Upper Manhattan, she fell in love with George Katz, captain of the school baseball team. We were 15 and 16 when we first met. Did you even understand exactly how babies were made? Nope. I had no idea of anything. In 1961, at 16, she found herself pregnant, and she wasn't alone. In the years after the war, there was an explosion in unwed pregnancies. Gabrielle Glazer says the post-World War II years were confusing for young women. They were supposed to be sexy and attractive, but not do anything about it unless they were completely married <laughs> safely with a ring on their finger, huh? Yeah, you were supposed to be the good girl until the night of your wedding in which case you were supposed to transform magically into a sex kitten. But how did you get that information? No one knew because there was no sex education. Glazer is author of American Baby, which details the history of American adoption in the mid-20th century. She says before the war, 
The usual response to an unwed pregnancy was a forced marriage, the so-called shotgun wedding. What changed? Suddenly there was a new middle class to aspire to. The idea of a wedding and a baby six months later was not part of the new conservative American life. My mother was beyond furious because that that was like, you know, the worst thing that could happen to any family at that time. You were obviously in love. Why didn't you just get married? Oh, we tried to. In New York, you had to be, the man had to be 21. The woman had to be over 18. It was a nightmare because both sets of parents did not want us to get married. Her family sent her to a home for unwed mothers. There were some 200 nationwide. This one run by the now-defunct Louise Wise Services, an adoption agency based in Manhattan. So this is the inside of the actual building, and you can see how elegant and beautiful it is. Glazer says that adoption became an industrial complex with more than three million young women forced into the system. You also had a high demand of couples who wanted babies because it was the thing to have a family. Absolutely. And in fact, if you were not able to conceive, there was suspicion that you weren't part of this whole patriotic duty to create the American family. Margaret and George insisted they wanted to raise their baby in their own family. But when she gave birth to a son, she was not allowed to take him home. The couple insisted on visiting him at the agency. On their second visit in May of 1962, a social worker told her, You can't have this child. If you don't sign these papers, you're a wayward minor. You will go right from here to juvie, which was juvenile hall. Which is essentially jail. Jail, exactly. It was jail. David was adopted by Romanian Holocaust survivors, and they absolutely adored their son. Margaret and George married in 1963 and had three more children. She never gave up on finding her firstborn, but even today only a few states allow birth parents or adoptees to see adoption records. Meanwhile, David was raising his own family. His adoptive parents passed away, and he developed severe health problems, diabetes, gout, cancer. Kim, at some point, you decided to buy a DNA testing kit for David. Why'd you do it? Knowing that there was this tool where we could find more information about David's background and perhaps connect with somebody that might give us some more information about his health was very intriguing to me. They connected with a distant cousin who was able to track down David's birth family. And one night in 2014, years after her husband George had passed away, Margaret Katz got a voicemail. Hi, this is David Rosenberg. I hope you're sitting down. I think you're my birth mother. Margaret and David spoke by phone. She finally confided her secret to her other children, and soon she and her youngest daughter, Sherry, were on their way to meet David in Portland. And it was just like, you know, just hugging and and holding, like forever. 
Interestingly, David had followed in his adoptive father's career path by becoming a cantor, but he always wondered about his own innate vocal ability until he met his sister Sherry, a professional opera singer. For David and myself, like music was like our, our heart and soul. But even as he was getting to know his birth family... You know, he was dying, and it was both profoundly beautiful and profoundly painful for all of us. David Rosenberg passed away just months after finding his birth mother. Fifty years after he was born, laws and public mores have changed with new acceptance of unwed mothers. And though not everyone agrees, Margaret Katz believes more adoption records should be unsealed. You know, it's happened to millions of people. The heartbreak that must be from, you know, mothers and fathers who never knew what happened to their children is just not right. Tis the season for brackets and for betting. Here's Luke Burbank. Three seconds at midcourt. Jenkins gives it to Jenkins for the championship. March Madness is here. The Champions! Which means passion, school pride, and now more than ever, a crazy amount of sports betting. An estimated 47 million Americans will place bets on March Madness this year, according to the American Gaming Association, with a lot of it happening right here in Las Vegas, which is where we found Nard Lamar making some wagers of his own. What did you bet on today? I got a few bets. Uh, St. Louis is pretty good bet in the Lakers. Even in the midst of a pandemic, Nard and others were lined up to play their hunches at the Circa Casino Sportsbook. How often do you sports bet? Uh, About five to seven days a week. How do you do usually? Uh, Pretty good. You could say sports betting itself is doing pretty good too. Take a look around these casinos, okay? They ain't getting any smaller. Good evening, everybody, and welcome. I'm Brett Musburger. If sports betting in the U.S. has a pope, it's probably legendary sportscaster Brent Musburger. I tell, especially youngsters, I tell them, you know, be careful, because it's not as easy as you think it is, okay? Number 13, Michigan. Musburger is a lifelong sports gambler himself. CBS Sports. And even popularized the term March Madness back when he was covering it for CBS. Let's run through those matchups in the East. People may not realize this, but, you know, that office pool at work, that's effectively sports betting, right? Absolutely. Everybody, everybody in March fills out a bracket. You just got to do it. People were always taking a chance with their brackets, okay? Everybody likes to take a chance. In 2017, Musburger rolled the dice himself when he left his lucrative sportscasting job to work for his nephew's sports gambling TV network called VSIN. Welcome, everybody. Which broadcasts 24 hours a day from, you guessed it, the floor of a Las Vegas casino. Here at the VSIN Circus Studio. VSIN says it wants to be the CNBC of sports gambling, which they see as a growing market thanks to a 2018 Supreme Court decision which made sports betting legal for any state that wants it. And why would a state want to do that? For things like this in Colorado, where taxes from sports gambling 
are projected to generate millions in revenue for water projects. Anything helps. <laughs> and we are really seeing, especially now in these times, that um, you know, the budget is, is being stretched. And Russ right Sands is with the Colorado Water Conservation Board. He says Colorado already has so-called sin taxes on things like alcohol and marijuana. So why not legal sports betting? So you drive past a sports bar, the sports bar is full of people screaming. And in some way, that event, if some of those people have money down, that event is also helping you take care of the water in Colorado. Absolutely. That, uh, wherever that bar is sitting, it's probably sitting next to a stream and that water needs to be protected. And if we can build better projects together, it makes Colorado stronger. Other states have joined in, too. And as of today, 20 states and Washington, D.C. have some form of legal sports betting up and running. And what about the people who see betting on sports as immoral or tawdry? Listen, when the country was founded, they took a chance. I mean, it came across the ocean. Yeah, where the hell was it, the other end? I mean, it, it was founded by speculators. It, it was founded by guys who gambled with their family's life. Inspired, I decided I'd try my luck as well, with some guidance from frequent sports better Nard Lamar. What's your pro tip on sports betting? My Lamar? pro tip on sports betting is Zaga or Baylor for the uh, championship. This is for the March Madness bets. Hold on, I'm going to write this down. If so, you got 2,000 on, on Baylor and 2,000 on Gonzaga, 2,000 on Baylor is going to get you 7,000 wow. profit. I guarantee you. Do you have $2,000 I can borrow? I ended up at a lower price point. $5 on Gonzaga. Sure. But even so, I'm being careful to temper my own expectations because of one final piece of advice I got from the legend himself. If you really need the money, stick with the stock market, okay? But if you've got some expendable cash and you want to enjoy yourself, then go ahead and bet sports. But if you think, if you think you're going to be the guy who's going to make this multi-million dollar fortune, forget about it. It's not going to happen. We leave you this Sunday in a redwood forest and creek in Los Gatos, California. A quiet home for the humble newt. Thank you for listening. Please join us when our trumpet sounds again next Sunday morning. If you like CBS Sunday Morning with Jane Polly, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey.